a girl has gone on a great first date. Great for say, magical. What would you tell her to do? Does she text first? Does she wait for him? What do no. you say? I would say you you would do nothing at first. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. I'm jittery with excitement. Yeah, we're both a little excited and, and nervous I'm because nervous. there's so much. This is such a powerful guest. person. Yes, I'm particularly excited. There's actually some backstory yeah. to our guest today because I saw her on TV before mm-hmm. I ever went on TV. And then Ooh. when I did DM her asking her if she would come on our podcast, she was like, I saw you on TV. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but before we bring on Tracy McMillan, I have to give a little roundup of her mm-hmm. incredible resume. First up, she is a TV writer, first and foremost. So she has written on Mad Men, United States of Tara, Life on Mars, among many, many others. So very impressive right there off the bat. She's the author of the iconic, iconic relationship book, Why You're Not Married, dot, 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 yet. Yes, read it. Not sponsored, read it, (laughs) read it. Which interestingly was published in 2012, correct? Yeah. That will come into play in our conversation today. I'm very Mm. interested to talk about the time lapse since Mm. 2012. And this book was based on her viral Huffington Post article called Why You're Not Married, which for two years was the most viewed article on Huffington Post. Amazing. Wrap your mind around that for a second. It's pretty crazy. And she also has a memoir, I Love You and I'm Leaving You Anyway, which is in the coffee table right now. And a debut novel. You'll know it when you see it. She's an incredible writer. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm as nervous as I am. Because mm-hmm. we've had some famous people on this podcast. But I, I get really wowed and starstruck when I really admire someone's writing and what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Char- I won Charlene over with my initial texts. That was it. <laughs> no looks, no personality, just texts. And so when I saw her on TV, she was one of three matchmakers on NBC's Ready for Love which I ate up, by the way, right before I applied to be on The Bachelor. So that's when I saw her on TV. She was incredible on that show. Her TED Talk, titled The Person You Really Need to Marry, has a whopping 16 million views on YouTube. And she continues to share her sharp insights on the regular on her Instagram, at Tracy McMillan. And I'm just so thrilled that she has chosen to join us today. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's weird to hear you say all those things. I'm like, wow, that's kind of, I've done some interesting things. And I don't really think of it like that at all. So what I especially love is it's so eclectic. It's not Mm -hmm. all just one one field, you know, you, a TV writer unto itself is like, wow, what a career. But then you also have this whole side thing as a relationship expert. Yeah. Which I think, honestly, the separate career lends to your abilities as a relationship expert. No question about that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I will say the relationship experting part. So before I wrote scripted television, I wrote television news for 16 years. And Mm -hmm. I was forever in, you know, newsrooms are big, giant rooms filled with single people, basically. (laughs) And there's some married people in there, too. But I would be having these conversations with the reporters and the other writers about their relationships. And so sometimes I just sort of feel like this is what I've been doing all along is talking to women and men about their relationships. And eventually someone just brought a camera. 
That's kind of how I look at it. <laughs> but it doesn't matter where I am. That's the conversation I'm going to be having, whether it's a scripted television writer's room or whether I'm standing in line at Target or whether I'm on TV. So it's just my favorite conversation to have. And it's where I get, I don't know, I guess it's where my my gift is and my challenge. So those two things often line up, you know. Definitely. And it takes humility to admit the challenge part, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And a lot of mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm, yeah. Definitely. And you don't ever have to feel bad about your mistakes. You just don't want to repeat them over and over. Exactly. So it's like, what do we have to do to not repeat the mistake? Exactly. And I just want to have a disclaimer before we start this conversation, mm-hmm. that much of the language we'll be using will be about straight couples. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of the, I think a lot of the messaging with our conversation today will be between men and women. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important to say that up mm-hmm. front. Because- I know. I like that you're saying that. I would, I would amend that slightly to say it's between, I would look at it like this. It's really not necessarily heteronormative. It's more about masculine energies and feminine energies. Yes. So it doesn't it's really matter gender or um, orientation. It matters which energy you embody. So exactly. What when I'm saying what I mean is feminine energy. Sometimes if I'm saying women or men, I mean feminine energy or masculine energy. And that could be no matter, you know, who you are. Love that you added that because Mm -hmm. we will touch on that. And Mm -hmm. I do think, like you said, everything we're going to discuss can apply to all genders. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to get that out of the way first. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) I appreciate that. So right off the bat, we are going to talk a lot about your book even though I know you've written two other books, but as, of course, this is a relationship podcast. And I do think this is such, this is one of those books that's like a giant nodding in agreement. Yeah, that's the whole time. Just like (laughs) your your neck gets sore from the nodding. And you kind of want to ship it to your single girlfriends. (laughs) But then you feel like maybe you shouldn't. It's like a Gideon's Bible. It should be in like every every (laughs) bedside table. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So obviously the book is about the mistakes people make. But what I wanted Mm -hmm. to hear from you is nine years later, approximately... Mm-hmm. I wanted to know yeah. if out of those 10 chapters, which are really 10 reasons why someone is not yet married, mm-hmm. what do you think are the most common mistakes people make? I often think that, I mean, oh, it's, it's so hard to say what the most common things are because there's there's like big picture mistakes and then smaller picture mistakes. So I'm going to say in the big picture, the thing that people really don't do is have a relationship end and then turn within and go, how did I create this? Mm -hmm. What beliefs do I have? What um, patterns of my beliefs and my life are showing up in this relationship that just ended? Because there's always something to learn and it's always gonna be something in me. So, you know, you have friends, they have breakups and there's basically kind of two responses. There's Mm -hmm. I turned within to look at myself and deal with whatever I need to deal with in order to move forward without doing that same behavior Mm -hmm. or creating that same relationship. Or there's some version of she's crazy. He's an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And when people are like, well, I kind of just think he's an asshole. They don't learn anything and they're going to repeat it. Now they may not repeat precisely what they just did, but they're, going to repeat some new version 
of what they just did or some new version of their own belief system. So that to me is the biggest mistake people make is just going through their relationships as if they are not the common denominator and as if everything is out there. And if you could only change the world, you would be different. And that's never, ever the case. Well, it's so it's interesting. It's just good. When you get out of a relationship, you're, uh, you're so wounded and your emotions are all over the place. It's very hard to sit down and do an unbiased postmortem. Yeah. It's obviously you're trying to protect your ego or you're just trying some form of protecting your ego. You're either blaming it on the guy completely or as you said, you know, you're, you're blaming it on yourself. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what the best strategy is. I guess you have to do work on yourself as a person before you actually do the work of the relationship. Yes. I mean, there's a weird paradox where you can't really practice relationships on your own, but you have to do enough work on your own to be able to practice well once you're in a relationship. I sometimes think as I'm listening to you talk that people's relationships are as functional as as uh, or the quality of your relationships is very much related to the quality of your best friends, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because a lot of times at the end of the relationship, you might be all confused, but your friends are probably going to be able to tell you, you know what, here's what we saw happen. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I always say that why you're not married, the viral piece was simply me saying what everybody around you wished they could say yes. <laughs> exactly. without having you excommunicate them. Yeah, you are <laughs> the best friend. You're the friend that everyone needs. Yes. Yeah, I'm mean, like your best friend, big sister, auntie, whatever that is for you. I'm her. She's the friend who tells you your breath is bad. Your clothes are ugly. <laughs> There's something in You've your got teeth. terrible dandruff, <laughs> like everything. You don't I know, and see, it's weird because I'm not really that person in any other area. But in this area, I have mm. like, I just get the insights and I'll be like, but wait, it was like this or you said this. Like I um, had a friend once who broke up with this husband. Now, everyone knew the husband was like a mess. We'll just call him a mess. <laughs> Suddenly, she's like, well he's a mess. I'm like, wait, was this news? Like you, you must've known this, right? Cause it was right. It did, it's not like he changed. He did not change. Right. Mm. So I just think here's the other part. I'm not here to be too sassy because no one sees anything until they're ready to see it. People have their own timelines. Like I even, I even know that the body and the psyche has its own wisdom that you really don't see something until you are ready to handle it. Um, so if something's coming up for you, it's like, you know, oh, I must I must be ready for this because here it is. And nothing is ever like too soon or too late. I, I, I say things are on time and in time. Um, and that's everything. The breakups, the relationships, everything that happens. You know, I have a spiritual view of relationships and life. And in a spiritual view, there's like I almost see it as like um you know, a universe or a galaxy. It's like everything's in its right place. It's like, how do we send up a rocket and it gets there 12 years later on time? You're like, how'd that happen? (laughs) Well, because there's an order and everything's moving in an ordered way. I like to think that life is that way too. And that when you align yourself with what's highest in you, you start to create different kinds of relationships Mm -hmm. and different opportunities come into your life, things that couldn't have happened before you were more aligned. 
So how does the alignment work? Well, whatever messy shit's going on in your life right now is there for you to deal with so that you kind of like tune the radio station of you in a little bit. Do we have radio anymore? We have Spotify. <laughs> Podcast, <laughs> so you get yeah. rid of the static, you know, and you start to tune in more to like what's highest in you and like what your bigger potential is in any given area, but in particular in relationships. And you'll know that because you'll start attracting different kinds of people mm. and be attracted to different kinds of people. Ah, oh, most importantly. My God. Yep. <laughs> Just like so much I want to say, even based on that. I really do love the spirituality aspect of this book. And I, I have to say that as someone who does not, I don't really consider myself that spiritual a person, mm -hmm. but it really spoke to me in this book because it really felt like you were giving actual tools and awareness on yeah. how to work on little things that extend far beyond just relationships, really. It, mm -hmm. yes. What I love about your messaging is it really is more about a relationship with oneself. Right, because right. you're picking, as you said in the book, and, and I'm paraphrasing ter terrifically, but <laughs> basically you're picking someone like yourself. You're picking mm -hmm. yourself in your partner. And if yourself mm -hmm. is damaged and if yourself has all these faults, you're going to get that. And you're going to keep yeah. getting a, a whole row of them until you change it. Yeah. The famed psychologist Carl Jung had this theory that your partner is you. Well, if you're a woman and you're heterosexual, your partner is you as a man. Mm -hmm. And you are your partner as a woman. Okay. And so there's a, a way that partners carry an energy of, of ours and mirror it to us. Um, and when you look at the couples, you know, and then you can see when people are aligned and also when they're not, you know, mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, I remember being in a relationship once where people were like, yeah, we never really got you guys together. And I'm like, mm -hmm. right. Cause that wasn't me as a man, you know, mm -hmm. it just wasn't, it was right. a piece of me as a man, but it wasn't like the whole me as a man, you know? So it's, it's like, yeah, our partners are mirrors and on so many levels, that's just one of them. It's mm -hmm. so, I mean, and now we've been now together seven and a half years, Andy, yeah. approximately. Wow. Is it that long? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Scary. You're, right? you're basing wow. it on when this, when the, her season happened. Yeah. Right? I know. I'm like, that yeah. was that long ago. Wow. I really scary. Sorry. I actually met him the March so that my season aired in January 2014. And then I met him in March. So okay. right after my season wrapped mm -hmm. airing. And we joke all the time that we're basically the same person just mm -hmm. in a man and woman's bodies. <laughs> mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I concur with what you're saying. And it is interesting when we go out with couples, there is that like the, the disturbance in the force. There's yeah. something wrong like there that doesn't flow. Um, and the opposite when it's right, when it's the same, when you're with a unit, it flows so easily. It's very so interesting. So now you're touching on the attachment piece to me and you know, in a secure functioning relationship as opposed to an insecure functioning relationship. So there's basically mm -hmm. two kinds of relationships, secure and insecure. And in insecure, there's two different kinds of insecurities, but we can just put a pin in that for a second. When you're around people who are in a secure relationship, it you feel relaxed and secure, mm -hmm. and there's mm -hmm. a flow. And because there's a flow between the two of them. And when people are in an insecure relationship, you can feel that too, because there's not that kind of flow. There might be a 
disconnect or sometimes there's bickering or not even just bickering, but like uh, something more that feels not relaxed, you know? Anyone who's ever been on a double date, like an awkward double date, I think Mm -hmm. that's exactly what you're talking. You can't necessarily put your finger on it. You just know that it's uncomfortable. There's a blockage. It's like like a bowel blockage. There are different ways. It's blocked. You feel blocked. Yes, that's right. It's like a block. You can feel it. And it could Mm -hmm. be, it could have any kind of tone to it, but there's just an overall sense of like, I don't feel relaxed. You know, like if if you were there, I I mean, I want to say like, Couples have a tone to them and people have a tone. And a lot of what you create in your life is coming from whatever your tone is. So whenever there's trouble in the relationships, I always know that there's something in here that needs to get addressed. And that's really what the book is sort of about. And here are some of the big things that people need to address. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I really love is that really comes down to some degree of taking responsibility Oh, 100%. I think you have to take responsibility for 100% of everything that's in your life. Like, there's never a victim. You know, there's a saying, there are no victims, only volunteers. Mm. I mean, it doesn't mean there aren't abusive relationships, but we are adults. You know, we do have choices. There's an interesting thing where children and teenagers, when they're in family systems, because oftentimes what we do in our adult relationships is we recreate the tone of our family home might not be the details of it but it will be we feel the way we felt very and if you want to know how you felt as a child oftentimes just look at certain aspects of your relationship and you'll be like oh that's how i felt because that's where we create from that you know it's literally we choose what is familiar which is to say what is family so oftentimes it's like you have to sort out what what was going on in your family of origin or you're going to recreate it in your current relationship. Um, so there's usually some some awareness that needs some waking up that needs to happen. And you are the poster child of that. And I don't want to spoil it because you do cover it in your TED talk and in your book. But yes, I feel like you are the poster child of someone who addressed the, the childhood and the upbringing. It's such a huge part of your messaging, really. Yeah, it is. Because I think everybody doesn't have to have as dramatic of a childhood as I had to be recreating stuff in their in their childhood, um, you know, from their childhood dynamics. It's yeah. It's basically every problem people have in their relationship is generally going to be coming from some problem or unresolved thing that was happening in their history. That's yeah. just how it is. And so I think how really, human beings are wired. <laughs> really, really good relationships. I feel like you are children. You're the good parts of childhood together. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We often joke that what we saw in our relationship and what we found in each other was the ability to feel like children every day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, just you guys because- sound like you have secure functioning. I'm just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the other thing I would say that people, it's not the biggest mistake people make, but it's the biggest thing that they really don't understand, which is that we think relationships are just sort of like made up as we go along and that everybody's sort of working it out and they're listening to their grandma, their mom or their best friend. They're getting advice. They're reading stuff. They're um, scrolling Instagram. 
The thing is, there's tons of relationship science out there now, especially in the last five to seven years. And there are very clear scientific principles that have been, you know, studied and quantified about what makes a relationship work and what makes a relationship not work. And people don't understand it's not random. Like relationships work when you do certain things and they don't work when you do certain things or don't do certain things. It's just that simple. So if you do the certain things, you will have a relationship that functions. It's like a car working, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, No, you may not be like whatever the passion piece or the in love piece or whatever the specific details of the relationship are. Let's say you find that person. There's very specific things you do that make it work. And if you don't do those things, it will be rocky. And so when I see people who have secure functioning, like you guys have, um, and I can just feel it and tell, because just what you're saying is all what people who are in secure functioning say, (laughs) you know that you're doing those things. Now, some people grew up in those houses, so they naturally do those things. It's almost like a language. It's like an emotional language. Um, They naturally speak that language. Other people grew up in other kinds of households, and they don't naturally speak the language, and they have to learn the language. And if they knew that, they could just start learning the language and then their relationships would immediately improve. But people think it's more like magic than that. And they don't get, Mm. there's actually science to it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so well put. That reminds me of a line in the book when you say like, people think it's magic. It's just this thing you find. You said in the book at one point that it's like people sort of associate chemistry and feelings as these things that happen to them. Right. And I think this was in the chapter about being shallow, which by the way, was one of my favorites because I saw a few too many girlfriends in that chapter. Mm -hmm. But it's the the sense that you are not in control of the feelings you are feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just all just happening to you. You're just like receiving. It's not what it is at all, really. No. Yeah. You are an active player in feeling. That's right. Yeah. Especially once that beginning stage wears, it doesn't have to wear off, but once that beginning stage sort of gives way to the next stage, that's when it really becomes a lot of choices. How are you going to respond to the things that happen in the relationship? And if you respond from a place of like defensiveness or a place of avoidance or a place of anxiety, you're going to create something that's wobbly and and has you know there's very clear things that lead to breakups you know Mm -hmm. and it's not uh, random at all it's not even a little bit random okay so on that note we're already going to go out of order then but based on what you just said Mm -hmm. because this is such a common question a lot of the questions I'm going to have for you are themes we've seen we've had this podcast for almost a year now and we have four out of uh, two out of four of our episodes a month are our, us giving relationship advice. Mm-hmm. So either with a live caller or we're in the living room answering questions that we read. And it's insane what patterns there are in the questions. They're often variations on the same theme. Yes. And so based on what you just said, like the sequence of events. Yeah. A very common question we get is a girl has gone on a great first date. Great for say, magical. She thinks it's something special. She doesn't know what to do. What do you do next? What would you tell her to do? Does she text first? Does she wait for him? What do you say? I would say you you would do nothing at first. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Um, I think you want to see 
I don't think people give enough, um, like they don't trust enough in the early stages. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of people who come to me for relationship advice, people, friends, friends of friends. And I often see them if they're on the anxious side. So again, this goes to the attachment thing. So if you're anxious, you're going to want to do something because mm-hmm. you're going to want that feedback so that you know that they like you and you know where you stand. It's very, very hard to deal with uncertainty if you're on the anxious side of mm-hmm. the color wheel, right? Mm-hmm. But you need to work on dealing with uncertainty because the truth is, is that uncertainty is always actually going to be there. So you're going to deal with it on day one. You're going to deal with it throughout your relationship because we don't know what's going to happen ever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just part of life. So I would say do nothing. I would say, see what the person does. Um, Do they, what is their level or their rhythms of getting in touch with you? You know, this is something you want to know because you want to know if what comes naturally to them is something that you feel good with. Not like, can you tolerate that? Can you hang with that? Does that feel good to you too? You, you don't want to make something happen. You want to see what they're doing and you want to do who you are. You know, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people will say to me, women in particular will say to me, how come he gets to make all the decisions? Like, how come I'm always waiting for him to do everything? And it's really not him. It's so there's a principle in relationships that whoever wants something less controls it. Okay. So that's whether it's sex, money, you name it, whoever wants a relationship or some aspect of a relationship less. So true. Yeah. I'm laughing as I start like going through the Rolodex of all the different aspects. It's amazing yes. how true that is. Oh yeah. Yes. So Science. you can't fake somebody out that you want the thing less than they do, but you just <laughs> have to, un- you have to understand that if they want it less than you do, you're going to be seeing what they, where they are. That's your only real choice. You can't force someone to get in a relationship with you. Right. You can't talk them into it. You can't <laughs> fuck somebody into a relationship with you. You can have sex with them, but that doesn't mean they're going to get in a relationship with you. And this right. is why oftentimes I say that the biggest mistake people make is friends with benefits or any version of um, thinking that if I try to fast track the relationship by getting sexually involved, maybe I can get them hooked and then they'll be so into it that they will just see how great I am and have a relationship with me. Well, that's not how it works for most people mm-hmm. who aren't on the anxious side of things or who don't have specific hormones that women have in very high amounts. Men have them in m- much less high amounts. Um, that they don't necessarily bond because they're having sex with you. This is an interesting point you bring up in your book, and it's, I think it's a sensitive topic. Yes. Yeah. It discusses that men and women are different. <laughs> I know, that's crazy. I know. But, but women have the oxytocin response. There's more of it, yeah. Or, men have vasopressin, but it's not right. the same thing as oxytocin. Right. Just to be clear, you're not yeah. saying that it's wrong for women to sleep around. No, if they want I don't to. care. What, do whatever what you want. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying <laughs> is if you want to get into a serious, committed relationship, sleeping around is, is for on one hand is, is bad because what it does is it creates artificial connections chemically. 
with yeah, men yeah. who you shouldn't. I mean, they're with. actual connections. Ask any right. woman who's bonded. You know, I joke. I think I joke in the book, like your body doesn't know if you're having sex with Charlie Sheen. It's going to bond. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if there's like high quality orgasms and you're going to be like bonding because the body is just going to do that. And you can right. figure out who it is later. That's how the, the species evolve. We have two prerogatives as a species, survival and reproduction, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we survive so that we can reproduce. Actually, living into old age is not one of the species um, objectives. It right. really doesn't give a fuck. After, it only wants you to bond you know, pair bond, mate, have a baby, and then as many as you can, and then you can drop dead as far as the species is concerned. <laughs> so, you know? so true. Yes. So it's like knowing that, and I know that we, people don't like evolutionary biology because it's super inconvenient, but I feel like mm -hmm. this is where liberal people tend to be sort of like climate change deniers. Like we get, we become science deniers in this mm -hmm area yes. because we don't like what it means it means right. these things that are really bothersome mm -hmm. um, but the fact of the matter is that the whole species is designed to i mean just because someone invented the pill in 1964 right does not mean that our dna has caught up to this yeah. new state of affairs where you can have sex with whoever you want <laughs> and have no consequences mm -hmm. you know my body still bonds to anyone that i'm having even low quality sex, but like high quality sex with. And once I figured that out, I stopped having sex with people I didn't want to bond to. Uh. So it was just so basic. And then my life got way more orderly. I spent a lot less time on the phone with my girlfriends because I wasn't <laughs> torturing myself literally like impaling myself on some guy who may or may not be interested <laughs> I mean, who may or may not be interested in having a relationship with me i needed to find that out first since mm -hmm. i know me now not everybody's like me there are women on the avoidance side of the um attachment uh, spectrum who can have a one-night stand and it's no big deal that wasn't, didn't, I wished that was me. I was like, when I was in my twenties, I was like, how come I can't be like that? Well, that's just not how I am. And so once I accepted that, I got to align myself. This is what I mean by the alignment, align myself with who I am and what's right for me. And I wasn't so um, susceptible to what was going on in the culture or what my girlfriends were saying. I just could do what was right for me. And I, I could say that on a date in the beginning stages of a relationship. And I didn't feel um, ashamed or embarrassed. And I didn't fib or say, sure, I'll do friends with benefits. I didn't have to lie to the guy. I could mm -hmm. just say, here's the deal. If I have sex with you, I will bond with you. And I don't know if you want to be bonded to. And that would be a good thing to find out before going to that place. And that is what's called a boundary, basically. Um, and most, I've never found one man who said, oh, sure, and then did not have so, at least that baseline intention toward exploring a meaningful relationship with me after me saying that. I've had men leave <laughs> and go, okay, forget it, bye. But I've never had one go, blow past that and not have real intentions toward me and move forward. Oh, so good. It's so interesting. And I just question. Um, yeah. If you feel like an extraordinary bond on a first date, 
Yeah. Is it okay to impale yourself? <laughs> by, the way, by the way, I will be using that many times. You are. And, I, and I'll, I'll give you credit once um, in a while. That's cool. Um, well, I would have the conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. I would say, personally, I wouldn't. Okay. I personally wouldn't. Because was there a harm in waiting? There's no harm. Let's just see how I feel in the morning. Right. Let's just think- be a person who's not impulsive. I think it also matters too what that person's track record is as well. Like if they have a tendency to to sleep with a guy early. Like we're and just for the record, we never have any issue with anyone sleeping on the first day or whatever. They can do whatever yeah, they can do whatever they want. It really does come back to the goal. Mm -hmm. Which Mm -hmm. is if your goal is to have this long term committed relationship. And I feel like it's difficult to answer your question without sort of looking at the track record because if you have a history of sleeping right. with someone on the first, second, or third dates and then not working out. Yeah, a month or two later you're like, What what happened? You didn't set that boundary. I, and maybe I you agree. weren't in touch enough with yourself. I agree. Right. It's a more it's a more nuanced, a complicated decision. Yeah, but, you just have to take care of yourself, you yeah. know? I mean, I remember feeling I've had so many conversations about this. I remember one time um, having a great, amazing first date. And, and the, the person was like, um, don't you think we should just figure that out later? You know, like, <laughs> we'll just figure it out later. And I was like, Mm-mm. you know, that, that's not how I do it. I get that. Yes. And then maybe like some matter of days later, many dates later, I would say like probably four or five dates later, there was a little, de- you know, now we know each other better. There's a little deeper conversation about it. I'm like, but here's the thing about figuring it out later. Like, I just want to say, where are all those people you figured it out later with? <laughs> like, <laughs> where are they right now? They are not here. So I just don't, I'm not volunteering for that in my own life. Cause I just know I don't need the wear and tear emotionally. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to protect my, I don't watch horror movies either. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to see too much violence either. I want, I like to take care of myself and keep myself from having to deal with too much um, emotional like input. I, I don't know. It's about care. It's about yeah. self care, you know? Yeah. yeah. And being For honest me. with yourself about what that looks like, because and I love this also in the book. I mean, I'm really obsessed with your book, if you can't tell. And I really don't gush like this over everyone's books. <laughs> it's true. This is true. But the term, you know, it it could come off bad to be like, this is why you're not married. Right. And I think a lot of people, often women, lie to themselves about the fact that that's what they want, as though it's uh-huh. non-feminist to oh, want totally. to get married. Mm-hmm. Totally. But I do think a huge part of ultimately protecting yourself is... And again, another chapter in the book is to not lie to yourself about that. It's totally okay to want to get married and to have that relationship. Exactly. And I was taught, I'm older than you. I was taught that was completely unfeminist and you shouldn't even want that, you know, Um, that a woman needs a fit a a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And I, that is actually just not true as far as the species is concerned. We need partners. We mm-hmm. do. It doesn't matter who your partner is. I don't care. But I don't think, I don't want a partner like with a dog. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to, or a kid. I want to partner with a mutually loving mate. Mm-hmm. That is 
a huge part of being human. Mm -hmm. So I just look at that and I embrace it. And it's not, I just try not to judge that any part of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it sound like this is about having sex on a first date because it isn't. It's about what is right for you. And if you can have that relationship and it doesn't cost you anything, I'm like, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. But I just know for me, it did cost me something. And many of my girlfriends, they'd be like, I'm not successfully doing friends with benefits. I'm getting, I'm falling in love with these guys, basically, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that to me is a thing that if we're going to talk about modern relationships, we have to talk about that. Like, how do you deal with the fact that we all have so much choice, but um, sometimes it's not in my own best interest to go too fast. But that brings me to a huge question that I had reading your book. Because again, your book was written in 2012. Yeah. And it's safe to say, well, I will mention that in 2012, like I was on dating apps in 2012. So were you, Andy. Mm -hmm. And I think there was, you know, it was sort of coming into the world as a normal thing, but it was, there was still some stigma around it Mm -hmm. in 2012. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Not like, it wasn't shocking. I know when I started in like, 2005 or six on MySpace. By the way, I'm a first mover, <laughs> early adopter. Amazing. Um, I was a creep. I was like, oh, I'm meeting all these girls on MySpace. They're like, ew. I was uh-huh. like, no. Well, 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 what's wrong with that? Why is that ew if we're actually talking and having connections? I didn't understand. But anyway, yeah, I rem- it, it was really considered creepy then. I remember Ooh. dating a guy briefly in 2011 or so. Mm-hmm. And when we met his friends, he we had met on match and he told me to tell his friends that we had met like on the subway or something like he was oh, that's funny. So there was still some stigma. And so my point is your books from 2012, it's yeah. now nine years later in a world where people are drowning in options. Just when you talk yeah. about options, that's what I was thinking of. And what I think is interesting with that is it then starts to tie in what you touch on in the book and which, and generally, your overall messaging, which is sort of like valuing yourself and letting the game come to you is one mm-hmm. of my favorite lines you use. Yeah. Another one you say is, you do not need to make it easy for a man to date you. True. So we're in 2021. When men don't need a ton of game, they mm-hmm. don't need to be big risk takers. Mm-hmm. Andy talked me up at a, at a event, which... I think is a testament to your generation. Yes. But I think your son now, Tracy, is probably in his early 20s. 24. Yeah. So no he's, game. He's got no game. I guarantee you. <laughs> no, I, he's, he's her son. He's got to have I'm game. I'm sorry. Oh, that's <laughs> true, actually. That's he true. He will have a game someday. The pieces are there, but they're not in any sort of order. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my question is, how do you balance what you talk about in the book, which is the feminine energy, which yeah. is allowing a man to come to you, not necessarily making that first move, right. with the fact that men are almost, I would say at this point, groomed to not have to take a risk and even It's pretty fascinating. It yeah, Isn't it's it? a great question. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, because... Yeah. What you guys, I don't know. I do. Let's just start by saying, (laughs) I don't know. I will say the relationship I'm in now, I did, I took risks I've never taken before. Mm. And I'm going to say in part, 
it's coming from that place that you, what mm-hmm. you're speaking on right now yeah. is um, interesting. It- but I also think I don't see, I haven't worked this out cause I'm still a lot of what I do as a relationship coach is figure out my own shit and then help you yeah. <laughs> with what I just barely figured out or what mm-hmm. I'm currently figuring out. And I'm always learning in my relationship, but So I think the feminine energy is obviously super duper important and I don't pursue. Now, here's the thing. I don't pursue inside of the relationship either. One of the most toxic um, relationship dynamics is the pursuer distancer dynamic. Mm -hmm. That's where one person is like, there's two versions. There's like, well, there's many versions, but there's the version of like, talk to me. We need to, you know, like if there's a problem in the relationship, one person pursues the other person and says, we must talk about it. And then the other person's like, I don't want to talk about it. Now this kind of maps onto the male female thing, but not always Mm -hmm. another version of it. And the more one person pursues, the more the other person distances. This is like the hamburgers and French fries of relationship, like of divorces. This Mm -hmm. is why people break up because you've got one person who's heavily pursuing and another person who's distancing. Well, there's a version of that that happens. That pursuing behavior starts even before you're in the relationship. It starts when you think you have to pursue in order to get the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So I never pursue. I just... I just know there's something toxic. I'm going to say that's a strong word, but there's something that is easily brings a relationship about a kilter about pursuing you sort of have to be more and this is probably a spiritual idea more like contained in your spot so okay i want to bring together a lot of different concepts so insecure a secure person who has a secure attachment style the um in the adult version it's called free and autonomous So what I'm saying that we need to cultivate is a sense of freedom and autonomy in what we're doing, as opposed to going after somebody because I'm coming from a place of lack and I want to get this person and put it on lockdown, right? Mm -hmm. So I think as long as you're coming from a place of autonomy and freedom, there you can do certain things that maybe look like you are signaling your availability. Because I think a lot of men need to know that the answer will be yes. Yes, I could not agree more with the point that you've just made, by the way. Mm -hmm. I really feel like in this world of online dating and all the options just at your fingertips, why would a guy even approach a girl at a coffee shop when he has a hundred at the tip of his thumb, who he knows are single and looking. Mm-hmm. It's like they've completely lost that chip that well, makes think, them take a risk. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's actually, this is a bigger, I've talked, I've spoken with you about this. I know you, sometimes you think I'm crazy, but I think online dating is more dangerous to the human race than climate change right now. That's interesting. Because I think the evolution of you know how men and women reproduce has been the same for literally millions of years. Yeah. And now suddenly it's been literally turned upside down, mm-hmm. the dynamics. Yeah. And I think what we're going to see a lot more of is, first of all, men who are kind of 
neutered in their ability to pursue women mm-hmm. and women who have just give up. They're like, forget this. I'm mm-hmm. not playing this game, but this is not the way my DNA has taught me how this is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to get out of the market. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have, a, I, th- I think, and I know this is really taking it to the next level and this is really right. what we're discussing, but I think honestly, you might see reproduction rates. Oh, they're definitely going down. There's no question about that. Across the world, people are not having, at least in the Western world. Yeah. And, you know, the marriage rate is like below 50%. The marriage rate has never been lower. People don't Mm -hmm. get married, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously there are some, you know, there's so much anecdotal stuff about this. Like in places like Japan, like young people don't have relationships anymore. There's more relationships often with dolls, with actual dolls. Yeah. And and even in the United States, a lot of people don't have relationships anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. young people are not they don't pursue relationships the way we did in my generation. So mm-hmm. I think you're right. And and this thing, the online thing is very interesting because it does sort of interrupt. There's a flow that gets interrupted. And I don't, it's hard for me to speak to that like in a really thoughtful way because I haven't thought about it that much. But I do think that, yes, you have to let the game come to you. Now, here's what I learned about myself. What I used to do is stand on the two yard line and then see who who ran 98 yards to get me. Okay. (laughs) What I needed to be doing. Now, this was part of why my relationships weren't working out. Because the only people who were going to run 98 yards really kind of had some self-esteem issues. (laughs) A healthy person, a securely attached person is going to go 50 yards and go, are you coming up here or you know, oh no, okay. They want mutuality. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then I also had this thing where I wanted people to commit to being in a relationship with me right off the bat, like in the first, like right off the bat. <laughs> and uh, a secure functioning person isn't going to do that. And so I had to really, at the end of my six year relationship, really look at now, how did I create this? And I, I could see that certain of my ideas I had taken too far, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do want the game to come to me, but also I do have to also go to the game. That was yeah. a that was a learning that I needed to do to say, like, how have I changed since 2012? Mm-hmm. Um, how has the world changed? That's one thing. But how have I changed? I have to me. It's like this is the difference between just like a person out here figuring their shit out and writing books at the same time. And like a guru is a guru doesn't ever look at their own <laughs> well, how they need to change. They right. just keep doing their guru thing. I don't want to be that person. The world does not need any more of those people in it. Not that you know, <laughs> not saying they're not children of God. Just saying we don't need any more narcissistic people who don't want to look at their own thing or be wrong ever. I had to go, oh, that thing, I went too far with it out of my childhood wound that said I cannot risk rejection. Mm -hmm. So I'm just only going to deal with people who've told me on day three, I won't be rejected. And I had to come to, if I'm going to be more... um, functioning as a secure person, I'm going to need to take more risk. So Mm -hmm. that meant I had to kind of go more to the 50 yard line. I had to state more. It wasn't just like state, I want you. Although that, that was part of it. It was more about stating my life project. Like, here's me. Here's where I am in my life. Here's what I'm looking for in my life. Doesn't have to be you. I'm not focused on, you know, you are not the solution to my problem. 
I don't have a problem. I'm more just saying, here's what I'm ready for in my life. And then I'm sharing that with you as opposed to, I would sort of maybe in the past hold back some of those details. And none of that even gets talked about because I'm standing on the two yard line waiting to see if you come all the way down here to get me. Mm-hmm. And my main qualification or a big qualification was whoever, I wouldn't even consider candidates who weren't coming all the way down there. So yeah. that was one of the things I had to learn between 2012 and now to create a different kind of relationship. That was a good analogy, first yeah. of all. We love analogies here at Shandy. Me too. <laughs> and what you're touching on, it actually is very validating for me because it reminds me of what I've often, you know, when have people have asked me at these early stages, what do you do? What, what's that fine line between pursuing and being pursued? Mm-hmm. And... And I agree. It's it's not like you can be so so waiting for the game to come to you that you just don't show up to the game at all. Right. I've always thought that it's sort of more like you show up, you make an, a 50-50 effort to meet for the first time, in my case. Mm-hmm. And then that is the bait. Just like you're saying, you state who you are, what you're about. You're not looking to have your problems fixed. But it's like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Now you know, you've met me, you see what I look like, you see what we're like when we talk to each other. And mm-hmm. then that's when I go to that two yard line. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, that's when it's yeah. like based on what you've learned, you can either be interested in what I have to offer mm-hmm. or not. And right. in my experience, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I do think that that's something that I've always had kind of naturally and it works in my Well, opinion. this is the thing about you on The Bachelor, right? <laughs> is that when I saw you... You had a rare quality in the world of The Bachelor, which was you did have a sense of self. Most, so much of what I was doing live tweeting The Bachelor is like, okay, this is what not to do. It's just like a long ass thing about this is what not to do when you're dating. It's like, there's so much like shape-shifting and conforming on there. And you had a, you had a self, you know, with an outline, you know, and I was, and you were contained within that self. So yeah, you've, I would say you've been embodying that, well, at least since I became aware of you. That's so um, sweet. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, and it's a pretty rare thing in, in popular culture, honestly. We don't see a lot of it. We either see avoidant women who are like, I don't care. I'll fuck the pizza guy. I don't even care. Like, whatever. Who cares? You know, meaning uh, they don't need men. And they, you know, most female protagonists on TV are avoidants, you know? They, I'm like, I never recognize these people. I'm like, who are these people? Like, what was the show I was just watching where it's like, oh, here we go again, where the funny, you know, cut to you're just having sex with some random person. I'm like, I'm not capable of doing that. And every woman on TV seems able to do it. I'm like, why is this? It was a scene from Hacks. Oh, Hacks. That was right? the last that, one. Yeah. Yeah, where they where she has sex with the Uber guy. They all do it. It's yeah. like Nurse Jackie, you name it. They're mm-hmm. all uh, they're all avoidance. And I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah. recognize these people. I don't identify with that behavior. I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying that's not my experience. My experience is having I, if it were me, I'd have sex with the Uber guy and then go, does he like me? Okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> And, and yes, like, the answer is yes, he does. And I'd be like, Always. I'm all bonded to him now. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, how come nobody like that's on TV? So I think like, 
there is a fine line there, but this is why I hesitate to get into prescriptives. What I would say is when you're aligned with what is highest in you, you're going to attract somebody where there's going to be a natural unfolding. You're going to take some risks sometimes. They're going to take some risk, but the mutuality is going to be there. And it's going to go, there's going to be, I the word I use is grace. There will be grace in the unfolding of the relationship. That's what you're looking for. You're not looking for, well, we played chess and I did this and it was rook to seven or <laughs> however people talk about chess. It's not <laughs> like that. It's like you, It's it needs a certain amount of, grace ordained something that is coming from a place that is past strategy or mm -hmm. past a rule or past anything like that you want to recognize another person's heart i grant you that doesn't happen very often but that is what you're looking for so yeah. if that's not happening you can kind of go okay namaste mm -hmm. moving on now, sometimes we don't want to be alone or we want to have sex or we want to hang out or we want to have dinner or we want to do whatever. So we keep seeing somebody that we already know we don't want to be in a long-term committed yeah. relationship with, or yeah. we already know we don't want to be in a lifetime or that. And I've done plenty of that. I've been mm -hmm. in full on years long relationships with people that I knew, oh, I'm not going to marry this person because yeah. I don't want to, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, now, I didn't lie to that person. I said, I don't see that. Now, maybe it could change. Um, here's what I've learned. That doesn't change. That is what I've learned. It's like a relationship yeah. is what it is from the very beginning. If I, oh, God, this is like my lesson most recently in the past couple years is like there's a DNA. It is what it is. If it's more um, friendship. That's what it is. You don't really take it over to this other place. It might, doesn't mean you don't have sex with the person, but it's never going to be that. It's going to mm -hmm. be what it is. <laughs> yep. Or if it's more sexual and there's no friendship, then it's going to be that. Or if there's not quite enough of whatever it is, you know, then it's going to be that. Going to therapy, doing all these things, it doesn't change. It is what it is, right? It's like a person or a baby. That baby's mm -hmm. going to turn into a bigger version of that baby, but it's never going <laughs> to turn into a different baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And once I got this, I could let go of relationships that weren't what I was looking for way, way, way earlier in the process. Look, you know, people are so fearful. They're driven by the fear of loneliness. It's an incredibly yeah. horrible, it's probably the number one fear. It's definitely being up there. alone. And it's a real thing. So yeah. I don't want to minimize it. It's a real no. thing. Oh, absolutely. Know? I'm not minimizing it. I think it's a no, terrible No, I don't think fear. you are. I just want to acknowledge that. But I think that the 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 driver of staying in these relationships yeah. is the fear of loneliness. And yeah. I think I think confronting that fear is a very important yeah. thing because what, what that fear will do is just get you deeper into a situation that's harder to extricate from. Yeah. And it will cause bigger problems than loneliness yeah. in your life. So confronting the fear of loneliness, I think is very important. I'm not saying confronting the fear, like I'm accepting, I'm going to be lonely for the rest of my life, but I'm right. accepting that I'm going to be maybe lonely for the next couple of months. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think that there's another thing I've noticed too, and I don't know if this is true for everybody, but you know, just like you don't, you can't snap your fingers and call a relationship into your life. I'm, I also am wondering if you can't snap your fingers and call it out. Like mm. my thing is like, I will know a relationship needs to end before I'm able to end it. 
the the day that the relationship ends is is almost just as magical as the day it starts. Like you will know it needs to happen, but I have not found that I can like go, all right, it's over starting today and pull the plug. And that's it. I found that I need to be there until it's done. It's like mm-hmm. an assignment or you're on a bus ride and you're there. And I'm not talking about abusive relationships. You guys, I'm talking about regular old relationships that, you mm-hmm. know, this is yeah, over. I'm not a blonde yep. here anymore. And, mm-hmm. but I have not been able like that day I fucking handle it. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's more like there's an assignment and I complete the assignment. And that day it's like a leaf falling off the tree. It's over. And then you're like, wow, why was it so easy that day when for the previous four months or however long it takes you to get out of a relationship? Well, I'm going to say because there's still stuff you're learning there or and it can look like I'm afraid to be alone. But really, it's that I haven't finished the assignment yet. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't know. I say this because I've had to become a lot less. um What's the word certain about stuff? You know, the older I get, the more I really realize, like, we don't really call every shot in our lives. It's not like that. To We're in a dance with life. Sometimes we do our, our will and our will works. And then other times life's doing its thing on me and we're interacting with it. Right. And um, but when I'm ready and I'm coming and I'm like, OK, I'm really ready to have a new experience because a lot of times a relationship is showing you something that you really need to come to terms with Mm -hmm. and it doesn't end until you come to terms with it. And then boom, it's like the spell breaks and you move on. But I don't know if you can just click your heels three times and have it happen. Otherwise, wouldn't everybody just leave those bad relationships? How come they're not? I'm looking for a more gentler way to interact with that particular feature of being a human being, having relationships. Yeah. I mean, the one who's able to just stop a relationship the second they're like, oh, I think this is going to end one day. I'm stopping it right now. That's like a, they're on another level. Yeah, it That's doesn't like master level. I don't know if anyone like that exists. Or, that might be I, psycho. That actually might be sociopathic behavior. They efficient, might. That's what I'm saying. efficient, but sociopathic. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that's not someone you want to be in a relationship. Yeah, with. No, I'm not no. sure. So what do you do in that meantime? You know, there's those meantimes. And I try to have like a I want to have more and more gentleness in the way I look at these human experiences because mm-hmm. we're all out here doing the best we can. I think a big piece of having a good relationship is knowing that no one's ever holding out on you. If they're not giving it to you, it's because they don't have it to give. Right. And that that is both freeing and, you know, really sobering, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. You said something a little earlier that sparked this other question I have, and this is a frequent question we get again. Which is, you were talking about trying to change a person and just accepting that the relationship is what it's going to be or it's going to be what it is. Yeah. A common one we get is about love languages. Like if your love Mm -hmm. language is X and your partner's is Y, it's sort of tough to know whether or not that is deal breaker territory, if that's Mm -hmm. your main issue. Is that a matter of communication, would you say? Or do you think that's just, you're not going to change the person? Well, this is where I go to science. Like love languages to me are cool and fun, but it's like astrology. It's like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, 
It's Thank like you. Andy's Thank very you. excited about your answer. Yeah. We it's just like had an astrologer on, by the way. And no, and I love astrology. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to get all in your charts and I'm going to do oh, no, not again. Part. I'm very into it, but I'm into the science. So love languages is more like um, it's like a party game to me. A mm-hmm. science would say making a relationship work is about stating needs it's about uh, negotiating win-wins. It's about attunement. It's about these very concrete actions that you are taking when you're in a conflict discussion, things that you're doing, other things you're not doing. For example, eye rolling, okay? Eye rolling is highly correlated with divorce <laughs> because of contempt. And there's yes. four things people do. Defensiveness, stonewalling, um, oh, yeah. contempt oh, yeah. the four and yeah, the four forget the other thing. Oh, It'll come back to me. Yeah. So these four things are scientifically shown to create deal breaker, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think love languages are scientifically deal breakers. I'm interested mm-hmm. in the science because if I know that when my partner makes up what's called a bid and says, oh, while they're reading the paper and that that means I need to the couples who succeed turn toward their partner 80% of the time they make a bid and the couples who fail turn toward their partner 30% of the time they make a bid. I want to be in the 80%. I know I need to turn toward my partner, period. So this is the shit that is the really boots on the ground stuff that has to do with whether people are happy in their relationships. And there's a number of these metrics that, and there's new studies being done all the time, but, um, a number of these metrics and uh, things that are people are coming up with protocols based on this research that allow people to um, interact in ways that are way more functional. Here would be an example. Um, So a lot of times when you're in a relationship with somebody with a different love language, let's say what that feels like to you is that you're not being seen and heard. Right. So a lot of times what people are going to do is that they're going to go to the partner and start talking about the attachment system. I'm not feeling seen and heard. Okay. And then what that does to the other person is they shut down because they're like, oh my God, they're pursuing me. They're kind of trying to enmesh me. You know, I'm feeling engulfed and I need distance. I need space. And so this is not conscious. This is just a dynamic that gets created. So instead of going to the attachment system, what you can do is you go to a collaboration. Because if somebody's a, the difference between collaboration is, hey, you want to help me rake the yard? That's how you get your need for connection met. That's Mm -hmm. science, right? Mm -hmm. Love languages is like, I'm a Virgo. You know? (laughs) Are you a Virgo? Yes. Same. Okay. Oh, that makes all the sense. It does make a lot of sense. It totally does. Yeah, we have like heavy Virgo energy going. Yeah. Okay, Tracy, I have. uh, Wait, what are you, Andy? Scorpio. Oh, that's a good match, though. Of course, you're going to say that. No, no. If it wasn't, I would say so. But um, the water signs and the earth signs get along. No one likes Scorpios. We're like the Florida of horoscopes. You you guys don't need to be liked, though. That's, That's what's true. great about that, you. That's you're right. true. Oh, right. you know. Wise. <laughs> okay, Tracy, I have one more quick question that I'm pretty sure I know the answer you're going to okay. get. And then I'm going to give you a really quick true or false. So okay. the question first is, 
and I think you are qualified to say this because in your book, you talked about how you have a radar for men who are willing to commit. Mm. And so the question is, how do you know a man is serious and ready to get married? Well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I want to say they'll tell you. That's what I thought you'd say. (laughs) You win, dear Shandy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're going to, here's what they'll for sure tell you if they're not there. Yeah. If they're not there. Yes. Oh, that's so satisfying. Mm -hmm. Because in a way, it doesn't matter if they're there because they don't need to be there today, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but men who are not there. And now I have girlfriends who are like, that's bullshit. I've had a million men tell me they didn't want to be in a relationship and I ended up in a relationship with them. And I just want to go, where are they now? Okay. Cause like they did it. Maybe you got in a temporary relationship with them. And I mean, even temporary of 10 years, but I'm not looking for a temporary of, I really don't need any more um, turnover in my life. I really Mm -hmm. don't. I think a person gets to that place where you just want to build something and you Mm -hmm. don't need to like tear it down and move on, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think you can tell if a man is there or a woman. Yeah. I mean, I, in my experience that he'll tell you Mm -hmm. is entirely true. Well, I was just going to say, I think when you talk about what it is that you want in your life, if what you're saying that you're looking for is, you know, I'm looking for, it doesn't have to be the word marriage, because that scares people, but I'm looking for, like, to build a life with someone, or mm-hmm. I'm looking to build a home with someone, or you say those words, and if they don't want that, they'll go away, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and it always ties back to a chapter in the book, and if you don't feel comfortable saying that, because mm. you think they'll go away, then there's a problem, you're lying. Yeah. To both that person and yourself, really. I mean, the thing is, is if you think they'll go away and then you say it and then they go away and then you're like, okay, but then you learn that's a good thing because you don't really want anybody here who isn't doing, you know, who isn't wanting what you want. That's just so important. She gives the most satisfying answers. It's like we're just with each other. Yeah. A third of us. I know. Yeah. I I have one quick question before we get to the true and false. It's not a quick question, but you have to answer it quickly because we don't want to take too much of your time. You wrote this book in 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Based on the hypersensitive woke, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it, atmosphere today. Do you think you could have published this book? No, I think I would have been canceled for why I've said that recently. I'm like, if I wrote that today, I would be canceled. What do you Um, feel about that? I feel like, so again, everything for me is like a relationship um, metaphor. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, you can't cancel them. You Mm -hmm. have to turn toward them, you know? So Mm -hmm. the whole notion of that things are so conditional is not secure. No Mm -hmm. one is going to feel secure in that. You're not going to get, which is to say, so the thing, the reason security is so important and secure functioning is so important because it comes from the parent-child relationship. Secure children can explore the world. You grow that up. Secure people in relationships can give service to the world. They can go out into the world and release their gifts into the world in a way that people who are constantly checking to see if their relationship is still there cannot do that. 
That's like the main reason to get into a secure relationship so that you can go do other things <laughs> besides think about trying to get in a relationship all the time. Because the thing is, is most people who are not in a relationship are trying to figure out how to get in one. We right. all need connection. We all need sex and love and touch. This is just central to the experience of being human. So um, when on a societal level or one-on-one -on -one level, people are constantly afraid that they're going to be canceled, which is to say rejected or mm -hmm. uh, marginalized, that's not good for anybody. We right. need mm -hmm. to have a sense that it's okay. Just like a parent and child, it's okay. You can make mistakes. It's fine. I'm still going to love you. Or your partner, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect. You can be X, Y, or Z certain way, and I'm still going to love you because it's okay because everyone has flaws and it's like messy and it's fine. Yep. Well, I'm glad you got this book out under the wire, so to speak. <laughs> I know. Because it's, it's, it's so important. Yeah. And, and it's, almost, it's almost elevated above the self-help section, which I'm sure is where it is in the bookstore. But this is in its own category. Yeah. It's just such a... Thank you. It's, you're so on point and it's so raw, the advice and accurate that I yeah. think everyone needs to read this. People, yeah. even in happy relationships, should read oh, this just say, to check in. As someone who's in a happy relationship, it was just the most validating thing to read because it put into words words what I have felt about other people's relationships yeah. and it you just articulate it so accurately that it was just like the most satisfying read ever it was I, I think was, that's why it went viral actually because I was yeah. saying things that people feel but have never quite been able to articulate you know yes no. yeah and we're probably scared to uh, even try that's true too honestly yeah. and they are and now they are all scared to say yeah, everyone's saying. scared <laughs> Yay, well, that's gonna shift i'm sure that will shift because everything shifts you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hope you're right okay yeah. tracy a quick true or false and then we'll set you free okay true or false when you know you know i'm gonna say true true or false timing is everything uh, true-ish <laughs> because i think timing timing is always moving so you never know Final one, opposites attract. I'm going to say, yeah, that's true. I, you know, I don't know what's truer, that similarity isn't necessarily, like similarity is more nuanced than we think. It's not like you like purple, I like purple too. It's more structural than that, mm -hmm. you know? So I think opposites can definitely attract. I mean, there's no question about that, that opposites attract, but you need similarity too. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, when you say just not this was a true or false, so technically it should not be a discussion, but do you think <laughs> opposites attract immediately or do you think opposites can attract for the long term? I think sometimes people look opposite on the surface and turn out to have a lot of similarity underneath. Great so, answer. so you really either are either saying... in their belief system or in their approach to life or in their ways of um, being. Okay, so so opposites attract short term, but but not necessarily long term. But you may find out that you thought you were opposite, but you're actually the same. Long -term. That's right. That you're okay. complementary. That you're complementary. Um, yeah, and I would also say I know because true and false is hard for me because binaries are really tough for me. Any yeah. like binary, I just reject most all of them. 
Yeah, I'd be like, no, no, it's more nuanced. You know, yeah. it's never true or false. It's no. always gray. Exactly. Yeah, it's both. You know, yeah. it's both. <laughs> Tracy, what a what a pleasure and yeah. an you honor. Guys, it was great delight. talking to you. Thank really you for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Thank and you. I, I don't know if you are working on another book, but I hope you are, so that we can have you back and so I can one of these more days. Of well, I'll come back anytime. And when I'm in New York, we can go have coffee or whatever. Oh. Oh excellent. God, I'm so excited. Well, hang out. <laughs> Yay. Tracy, thank you so much, and you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye, Bye. you guys. Oh, that's good stuff. It's good. She was wonderful. She lived up to expectations. Yeah. And they I, were very high. They were very high. Mm-hmm. I really, I feel like I pumped her up a lot to you. Well, you did. I mean, I also read excerpts. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of this book. Yeah. It's fantastic. And, you know, sometimes, like, we, we talked about this, like, I've, we both have had this experience where you like meet someone online or something and you have, you never speak to them on the phone. You have all these amazing text conversations and you meet them and they're like catatonic. (laughs) And I was thinking like, is she like, what's she going to be like in person? Is it all going to not translate in person? And she was exact, like she is who she is in the book. She's, she's fantastic. Yeah. It's difficult to toe that line between being a straight shooter, but also being gentle. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh Yeah. I, it's um, it's actually incredible. Like in this book, there's so many lines in this book or titles to chapters in this book that, you know, when she talks about how she would be canceled, I think there's a lot of lines in this book that would get flack or people would choose to be offended by yes. at the get-go. But actually, if you read what she's saying, not only is she right about the message that she's saying, it's just got, you know, kind of a clickbaity title, like you're a slut, you know, and you're like, oh, how dare you? Mm. And then you read it and you're like, oh, actually, there's a lot of reasoning behind this. But she also brings in this like nurturing touch i gotta say i have a real appreciation for good writing like i'm a i'm a writing snob as we all know by now and her writing just does it for me it's so conversational but also impeccable at the same time it's medical quality yeah it's pharmaceutical grade relationship (laughs) advice it's like you know i compare it's uh, here's an analogy okay honest honest love advice yeah it's like um like heart surgery it's it's (laughs) really messy and disgusting and and if you're not under anesthesia the most horrific pain you've ever experienced in your life but in the end it saves your life you know and that's what i think it is you can't give you can't do heart surgery by just stroking someone's chest Mm -hmm. that's nice your heart will be fine yeah yeah those those clots will unclog Mm -hmm. just by me being gentle no you have to cut them open you have to cut open the arteries you have to tear the heart and sew it back up and that's what she does you're right. It's there's surgical precision to the advice she gives. And I can see for a lot of people, it might be very, very uncomfortable mm-hmm. to, to read some of these chapters. And because, offensive. Yeah, because you're like, how dare you say that I can't have sex on the first date? Which, by yeah. the way, is not remotely what she's saying. No, no, but no, I can no. see a lot of people. As she taking said, it everything is nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. I just I'm such a big fan. And yeah. she lived up to the she high did. expectations. And you know, I know we, whenever we have authors on, like we tell them to read the book, but I'm not kidding when I say if, especially if you are looking for a relationship and you're having a hard time finding that, yeah. and if you don't want to get married, then that's also cool. But if that is what you're looking for, the first step is admitting that to yourself. It's okay. And I really just, I'm not just saying this. It's, it's a must read. It is. The only, the it's only reason true. I would hesitate 
recommending people read that as well. I think it will cannibalize Dear Shandy. I actually, that occurred to me. Yeah, I'm like, like no, oh no. Don't, don't read too much of this. Just, just skim it. <laughs> it's epic advice. And, you know, I, I actually didn't read this book before I went on The Bachelor, before I met you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want this to sound arrogant, what I'm about to say. What it should sound is affirming that this is a good book. I've always had a hard time putting into words the fact that I have not struggled when it comes to romantic relationships. I, I just haven't. Tr- trust me, I have my other struggles in life in abundance. Yeah, so right. I'm not saying this from an arrogant standpoint, but it's been tough for me to put into words like why I think what I do works with yeah. men. You know, I, I think on the surface, people could be like, oh, well, X, Y, Z, that, you know, this is why it works for you. But it actually is that a lot of the things she talks about in this book are things that have come naturally to me. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because I was lucky enough to be raised in a certain kind of household with a certain set of values and raised with a certain amount of Mm self-esteem and like inner confidence that I think surfaces in many of the chapters that she talks about in this book. And I don't mean for that to sound arrogant. I hope that that it's not what it sounds like. It's more that when I read this book, I was like, oh, that's something I did without realizing it. No, I totally understand. It's not arrogant. You were just lucky enough to be brought up with those kind of things ingrained. Yeah. A big one, huge one for me was a chapter about the feminine versus masculine energy, mm-hmm. which I think she covers better than anyone I've ever seen. You know, it's a sort of a touchy subject. It's like you're not feminine enough. It's not really about that. No. She talks about the yin yang. Everyone, I have masculine energy and feminine energy. You have feminine energy in you as well mm-hmm. and masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And it's about finding that balance. Right. And reading that chapter, I was like, oh my God, I naturally have this. And I didn't even really know, but I was emanating it. And I think that plays a huge part in why I have not had a hard time finding men who would... I agree, 100%. Yeah, it's very interesting. Another chapter, too, is the one on shallowness. You know, it's, I think it ties into the fact that none of my exes look the same. She really talks about how the thing you should be looking for in a person is character mm-hmm. and not some laundry list of relatively superficial requirements. And I have to admit, that's another thing that has always come naturally to me, probably because I'm so obsessed with being understood Mm -hmm. that I'm like, I don't really care how tall you are. What I want to know is, do you understand me? (laughs) But yeah. Anyway, highly recommend not just saying that, not sponsored and not just because we had Tracy on. (laughs) No, she was so wonderful. Well, I think that might be it then. I think we did it. We there still there were still many I questions know. we did not. I know ask we had to we, let her go, but I had go. so many more things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. she was lovely. She was great. Yeah, if you enjoyed what you heard today, you know what we're going to ask of you, and that is to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, follow us on Instagram, leave us iTunes ratings and reviews, mm-hmm. and generally do all the things you would do to support a podcast you enjoy. And so that we can continue to get such incredible guests. Yes. Because the the more we grow, the better the guests get. And I yes. feel like Tracy McMillan, having a her solid, on reflects solid that. Solid guest. Yeah. And on that note, I think that's a wrap mm-hmm. for this episode of Dear Shandy. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye. Dear Shandy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.